The epistle for this 25th Sunday after Pentecost is actually taken from the readings for the sixth Sunday after Epiphany. And the epistle is from St. Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. Brethren, we give thanks to God for you all, making a remembrance of you in our prayers without ceasing, being mindful of the work of your faith and labor and charity, and of the enduring of the hope of our Lord Jesus Christ before God and our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved of God, your election. For our gospel has not been unto you in word only, but in power also, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much fullness, as you know what manner of men we have been among you for your sakes. You became followers of us and of the Lord, receiving the word in much tribulation, with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that you were made a pattern to all that believe in Macedonia and in Achaia. For from you was spread abroad the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and in Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith, which is towards God, has gone forth, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves relate of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised up from the dead, Jesus, who has delivered us from the wrath to come. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel is taken from the 13th chapter of the gospel of St. Matthew. At that time, Jesus spoke this parable to the multitudes. The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which is the least indeed of all seeds. But when it is grown up, it is greater than all herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and dwell in the branches thereof. Another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like to leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal until the whole was leavened. All these things Jesus spoke in parables to the multitudes, and without parables he did not speak to them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter things hidden from the foundation of the world. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. My dear faithful, during this month of November, we recall in a special way the doctrine of the mystical body of Christ. You know it's the teaching especially found in the epistles of St. Paul that by our membership in the Catholic Church, by our baptism, we are incorporated in Christ. In other words, we are given the ability to live the life of Christ. The grace that our Lord earned on the cross enters into your soul and influences your actions hopefully moves you to behave in a way, in the same way that Christ behaved when he was on this earth, so that you are transformed to some degree into Christ. To some degree, your life becomes an extension, somehow, of the life of Christ himself. So by our membership in the church, we have this close connection with our Lord Jesus Christ and hopefully are being transformed into him. But we also have a connection with everyone else who has the life of Christ in their souls. Everyone who has the grace of Christ dwelling within them has that same life of God. And your connection with Christ and their connection with Christ means that you are connected with them. You are connected through Christ to them, to everyone else who has that life of Christ. And it doesn't matter where they are on this planet. If they're living the life of Christ, you have, you may say, access to them. You're, you can reach them by your prayers. 
Christ takes those prayers and communicates those prayers to them, the fruits of your prayers to them. doesn't matter if, if it's a Catholic in India or a Catholic in Burma or a Catholic in Australia, wherever they may be in this world. Space does not matter because Christ exists everywhere. God exists everywhere. And he's able to apply your prayers to those who are living that same life. But the connections we have with those who are living the life of Christ extend not only to those who are living right now, they also extend to those who have lived and yet died possessing that same life. Because the life that we're speaking about is not a physical life. It is a spiritual life. It is participation in the very life of God, which is a life that is eternal and unchanging. And so if someone has died in that life of Christ, they still live that life of Christ to this day. And as such, you also have a connection to them. If they died last week, and they died with the life of Christ, if they died last year, if they died 3,000 years ago, and they possessed the life of Christ, well, they are living the life of God to this moment, and you can communicate with them through your prayers, through your living of your Catholic faith, through your living of that life of Christ. Think of what a comforting thing this is for us as Catholics to have this belief as opposed to the Protestant belief. You know, for the Protestants, religion is a very individualistic exercise. It's just a personal relationship that you have between you and Jesus Christ. And that's pretty much it. There's no corporate entity. There's no sort of mystical body of Christ in which all who are on the side of God live. But we have this belief that everybody who, who is attached to God is, belongs to the same family, lives the same life, and therefore is capable of communicating with one another. It's very comforting when we think about those of our family members who have died, who have, who have gone before us, um, that, that our prayers can assist them, or if they've gone to heaven, uh, I myself have a, have a brother who, who died, um, before he reached the age of reason. He, he unfortunately drowned at a, at a young age, and I have, I, even though we lost him, we have access to him because he's in heaven. We have a saint in heaven. And you too might have um, family members who are very confident of their, of their salvation. You have access to them because they live that life of Christ. The church especially wants to bring this beautiful belief and reality to our minds through the feast of all saints. On November 1st, we remember the church triumphant, those souls who are in heaven we remember the church suffering, those souls who are in purgatory, we who are here on this earth and are struggling to get to heaven, part of the church militant, that we are really three sections of the same reality, of that one body of Christ, that we form together that body of Christ, and because we belong to the same body, we have these connections. I want to bring this up today because I want to emphasize how important it is that we use these connections and uh, specifically, I, I want to encourage us to have a devotion to one particular person who we know is in heaven and whom we may think loves us in a special way because we're here in Colorado, because we're here in Denver. And I'm speaking about 
St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. We have this special privilege here in, in Colorado that's very rare in the United States to have a saint who was here, who, who worked here, and so who in a sense, in certain sense belongs to this place. You know how it is for an American going to, to Europe. We're, we're always so overwhelmed. It's like you, you go to this village or, or that town and there's like an incorrupt body of a saint over here. There's like a 1,200-year-old church over there. You know, there's, there's all these monuments of Catholic history that are everywhere. But we don't have that in the United States. We're a young country. We haven't been around for a long time. And also, we were not founded as a Catholic country. And, and so we, we just don't have that same army of saints that you find everywhere in Europe. And if there is a saint that, that's around, that's local to your area, it is a special privilege. And that privilege is ours here in the Denver area because of the fact that an, a, a living saint was once here. She walked uh, the, the roads here. She, she worked very hard for the salvation of souls. And we believe, one of the things that we believe about our entry into heaven is that when, when you possess the, the beatific vision, when you see God, God reveals to you in himself all that concerns you. Everything that happened to you in your life, say you, you had a family, you had children, you, or you were a priest, you had a parish. Well, well God is, is not going to show you absolutely everything that's going on in the world, but he will show you the things that concerned you on this earth. So we can think that, that Mother Cabrini is, is seeing in God what is happening with her own religious congregation, uh, the Missionary Sisters of the Sacred Heart, and that she's also seeing the things that are going on in the places that, where she lived, where she did her work, um, one of them being this, this Denver area. And this should give us a, a confidence that, that she has a special concern. That since God is showing her these things, what, what's going on in Denver, she has a special concern for the salvation of souls that's, that's taking place um, here in Colorado. But we ourselves should have a, an additional motive for confidence in, in St. Cabrini, um, in Mother Cabrini, because of the fact that, that uh, as you might know, when, when the plans were being made to, to build this church, there was a certain uh, roadblock that, that got in the way to the accomplishment um, of, the, of the project. And some prayers were, were said at the Mother Cabrini Shrine. And a promise was made to Mother Cabrini that if she managed to remove this roadblock, that, that we of this parish would go in pilgrimage every year to the Mother Cabrini Shrine, do a pilgrimage in her honor to thank her for her intercession. Well, you probably noticed the church is standing here. It, she got rid of the roadblock. The prayers were answered. So, so we should, um, because of the fact that she's already shown her favor to us, we should have an extra motive, an even more powerful motive of confidence in her. What we definitely don't want to happen is that secular leaders somehow outdo us in their zeal to uh, promote the cause and honor Mother Cabrini. It's kind of striking that two of the most unlikely figures in Colorado history have, 
have promoted her cause, um, one of them being John Hickenlooper, who was uh, governor back in 2017. He's, um, say, very kind of unfortunately elected senator recently. He's promoting a very radical abortion bill that we pray uh, does not pass. It would be terrible if it, if it passed. But be that as it may, when he was governor back in 2017, it was the 100th anniversary of the death of Mother Cabrini. And he declared a holiday in, in celebration of her life on the 100th anniversary. And then just last year, our current governor, who's not a Catholic, he's, he's a homosexual Jew, um, he declared that there would be, from now on, uh, a public holiday in honor of Mother Cabrini. There would be a Cabrini Day on the first Monday of October. Um, so, in other words, in in, in, in all the secular jobs that are out there, they're required to give their employees a day off once a year in honor of Mother Cabrini. Of course, they're, they're recognizing her for what they would call her humanitarian efforts, and she deserves to be praised for that. But as I say, we must outdo them in the honor that we pay to her, not because of her humanitarian efforts, but because of the, her great work for the salvation of souls in this area. She started this congregation of the Missionary Sisters of the Sacred Heart, and she first came to Denver in 1902. And the first thing she did was she started a school. This area was still part of the Wild Wild West at the time. Um, it, was, it was very much a mining community. And there were so many children who were being neglected. And she started a, a school for girls in, in the first year. There were 200 girls already enrolled because the people uh, in this area were very grateful to have nuns around to, to teach their children. Her sisters were very courageous. Like herself, uh, Mother Cabrini had <clears throat> great phobia for water. She almost drowned when she was young. And yet she crossed the ocean so many times, as mentioned in the breviary readings for her feasts. She overcame this fear of water and, and um, was willing to go on these ships and go in our many travels, not just to Europe, but even to South America. Her sisters kind of took courage from, from the, the courage of, of their foundress. And when they came here to Colorado, they would do things like, like, uh, go down deep into the mines, go 900 feet deep into the mines in these cages in order to, to speak to the workers. Um, and as they say, it wasn't, humanitarian efforts that they were looking at. They wanted to speak to these poor miners who had these, this really difficult job and uh, probably found it difficult to, to keep their spirits up and keep their faith in those conditions. And they would speak to them about, about the things of God and encourage them. They would also go to the prisons, speak to the prisoners. They would go to the hospitals, speak to the sick. Again, um, it was it was a wonderful thing to have these sisters come and spend time with these most unfortunate people of the population. In 1904, Mother Cabrini started the Queen of Heaven Orphanage for the many children who became orphans because of the conditions in the mines. The conditions were not that great. There was no OSHA. There was no sort of uh, strict safety regulations. Plenty of, of people died and left children orphans. And... Then 
finally, in, it was in 1909 that, that uh, Mother Cabrini got the idea of buying some land for the purpose of having girls' camps um, for, for her girls, some summer camps. And that was when she went out to Golden and she purchased that, that property that is now the Mother Cabrini Shrine. And that she actually worked a miracle here in this area. I mean, this is, this is what saints do. This is one of the things that, that is part of the privilege of having a saint in your area, that, that they sort of sanctify the place by, by working miracles where, where they are. Um, you might know the story that, that the place, the water in the place was very bitter and the nuns were complaining they couldn't really use the water. And Mother Cabrini was there. She was, she was older at this time. And she ended up dying, as I said, in 1917. So this was just eight years before her death. And she was walking around with her cane. And she finally came to this place. And she, she put her cane on this rock. She says, dig right here, and you will find some water. This is what they did. And, of course, the water came up. It was, it was beautiful water. It was, it was very nice water. And to this day, you can go to the Cabrini Shrine and get yourself a bottle of of this water, apparently there's only maybe four places in the world that, that have a miraculous spring of water, and Golden, Colorado being one of those places because of Mother Cabrini. So you can read about all these things in, in, the, in the article in the Vestibule written by, by Mrs. Berry, um, shamelessly plagiarizing that article. But the, the, the point is that the, the general impression that you have when you read the, the story of Mother Cabrini, is of an overwhelming flourishing of good works wherever she went. Sort of like that, that mustard seed that our Lord speaks about in the gospel today, where you, see, you look at the seed and you say, nothing's going to become of this because it's so tiny. Mother Cabrini herself was, was about four foot ten or something like that. You can see her shoes and, and her garments there at the, at the museum, at the shrine. She was very diminutive, um, but God loves to, we may say, make disproportionate effects come from, from little causes to show that it's he that is working. Um, she accomplished things that absolutely astonish you. Um, if you read the, her biography, Too Small a World by Theodore Maynard, it's, it's amazing what strength came from this tiny Italian woman. So as they say, my dear faithful, we may rightfully think that, that we here in, in the Denver area, here in St. Isidore's, we have a special access to this saint, St. Uh, Francis Xavier Cabrini, because of the fact that this place is dear to her, her heart, that she was here. So she will naturally have a greater fondness for the place where she worked so hard for the salvation of souls. We show our homage by the pilgrimage that we conduct every year in August, where we walk from, from here over a course of two days to her shrine um, in Thanksgiving and, and also to, to honor her. But we must make sure that we don't, we don't just uh, think about her at that time. Um, we must think about her on, on the day of her feast. Her feast day was yesterday, November the 13th, in the traditional calendar. Um, we remember her by, by going to her statue periodically and, and praying at our statue for, for the intentions we might have, whether it be the, the sick of our parish, whether it be the, the, the situation of the church, whether it be the intentions that we have for our families, whoever. And, you know, we, we should um, remember her by, by praying for the salvation of souls 
in this in this area. Um, keep in mind uh, the work that that needs to continue. I mean, there's there need to be people who follow in her footsteps and accomplish the same things that, that she was able to do during her own lifetime. You know that it's uh, an unfortunate time for the for the church right now, and especially. With the implementation of this new modal proprio, there's a new crackdown on the traditional mass, as if the traditional mass is somehow a plague in the church. Things are turned upside down. The traditional mass is something that nourishes souls very fruitfully, very effectively. And somehow it's being seen as, as an, an enemy of the salvation of souls. Just recently, the Archbishop of Denver, um, Archbishop Aquila, we pray for it every mass, um, he issued a letter indicating how this motor proprio will be implemented in the diocese. And it's thanks be to God, he said that he's not going to shut down the celebration of the traditional mass at places where it's already being celebrated. But there's also a measure that he's taking to follow the will of Pope Francis that is kind of chilling. And that is at the, at the two seminaries uh, here in, in the Denver area, um, the, one of them is St. John Vianney and, and the other is uh, Mater Redemptoris. Um, those two seminaries will no longer have permission to teach the traditional mass to the seminarians. So going forward, no priests who are going to be ordained will be allowed to learn the traditional mass. So you see this, this desire that, that somehow the traditional mass die a natural death. That um, you 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 kill the traditional mass by making sure that there's nobody who knows how to say it. This is very unfortunate. Um, we we pray for the day. We pray to to Mother Gabrini for the day when the traditional mass will be seen for what it is the the perennial mass, the mass of all times that that gives to souls the the spiritual nourishment that they need to fructify their their souls and to to do battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil. So, the bottom line, my dear faithful, is that God willing, if we, if we are in the state of grace, we are also connected to everyone else who is in the state of grace. We have a connection to them through Christ. We are meant to use this extended family, being part of the mystical body, to assist us in this life as we journey towards heaven we are meant to honor those who are the saints in heaven. We are meant to pray to them. We are meant to assist the, the poor souls in purgatory. We are meant to assist one another by our prayers. Let us do that and so execute that, that belief in the mystical body. And let's especially pray to this beloved saint that we have in this area, St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.